Are you a professional optimised business? Time to look at Northern Peugeot Bandura to further professionalise your fleet with their updated commercial van range. The team at Northern Peugeot Bandura can help customise your fleet to your business needs. Stock arriving now, so secure your van and beat the rush before the end of financial year madness. Visit northernpeugeot.com.au or call 9119-9008. TNC Supply. You're listening to the State of Our Football Nation on FNR. Time to check the pulse. It's that time of the week. George Denekin, joined by Pakur Frimpong in the studios in Melbourne for Football Nation Radio. And very, very shortly, in fact, in a moment or two, we'll be able to cross via Zoom. There he is. One of the voices that has made an impact uh, throughout this year on uh, both Channel 10 and Paramount Plus. We're talking about uh, Robbie Thompson. Uh, Robbie, welcome to Football Nation Radio. Thank you very much for having me, George Pakur. Good to, good to be back. And uh, I hear exciting news for you. You've already taken the bit between your teeth and you're, you're going to go overseas when you finish the season here. That is the domestic season. Pick up the children and bring them back for uh, what promises to be something quite remarkable, the World Cup, the Women's World Cup. Absolutely. So I've got my, my three children still um, live in Paris. One's at uni in Lille now oui, Paris. Yeah. as well. So yes. voilà, Paris, uh, uh, Lille, uh, un petit peu partout en France. So I'll be going back there to, uh, to pick them up, bring them back. Um, I won't be able to catch a PSG game, unfortunately, because the season will just have Finished. wrapped up. But yeah. I'm expecting them to be champions for the 11th time in, in club history. Gee. Nine points clear at the top. Yeah. Bring my kids back here in early July after a couple of weeks in Europe and uh, and then soak it all up here. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a fantastic moment for football, for women's sport, for, for women's football in Australia, for my kids and for myself. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I think it's going to be even um, more remarkable than many of us are anticipating for the very simple reason I I understand that there's a documentary series that's just been completed uh, on the Matildas and they're going to run it, of course, as you would because you don't plan these things uh, without a purpose to run up to the, uh, the World Cup and it promises from all reports to be something quite stunning. Uh, you know, any time you take cameras uh, behind the scenes into the dressing room and beyond, uh, it has this fantastic capacity to uh, help you engage with, uh, you know, uh, the players in a manner that, you know, doesn't readily happen. So are you excited by that news? Absolutely. I was in, I was in France in 2019. Yeah. Um, and I encourage also uh, people to go and check out the official film from the 2019 FIFA World Cup. It's on YouTube, and you can watch it for free if you want to get into the mood, because um, <laughs> I produced that for FIFA TV. Bravo. And that was Bravo. An, in- an incredible incredible experience, going behind the scenes of, of, of the World Cup, seeing the players arriving, seeing, you know, in the referee's dressing room of the final with, with Stephanie Frappard, the first ever female referee to referee at a men's World Cup and, and do men's football. She refereed the World Cup final, you know, Megan Rapinoe walking out at, at for, for the second start of the second half and talking to our cameras 
um, so relaxed but in the final. I mean, so many incredible moments. And and look, we've had it in A-Leagues All Access this year as well, the Correct. Socceroos. It's, I been, mean, it's been revolutionally. I've, I've loved it. Exactly. Yeah, but for PSG, we used to always try and get in behind the scenes as well. The, the bigger you are, the bigger the event, the bigger the club, um, the harder it is. But we, <laughs> the Socceroos also have um, a fantastic operator in Richie McBurney, who, who was an old colleague of ours at Fox, who's now gone on to work for FA. And he's always got his cameras behind the scenes of the Socceroos and with the Matildas. Um, he does a fantastic job. He's a fantastic cameraman and, and loves football. So there are great people working in the Australian game behind the scenes. And, and hopefully all of this will come to the surface and take centre stage at, at the Women's World Cup because it's just going to be massive. One more thing I was going to say, George, go, about go, go. being in France four years ago was that the tourists that travelled for the Women's World Cup, the people from all over the world that came just to watch the Women's World Cup that weren't there by accident and thought they'd go and catch a game or weren't locals <laughs> going to catch a game. But when you see the English fans come to support the Lionesses, the number of American supporters that travel the world as a family with their kids, with their boys and girls, to watch the, the US women's national team play because they are role models and idols and it's, it's really amazing. For me, that was the, the biggest shock because for me too, you know, I, I have been brought up in this world of, of male football so much in Europe and, you know, it's a, it's a male-dominated industry yeah. for so long. And then suddenly this, what we've seen in the last five years, ten years, for all the hard work that's been done for decades by, by these women footballers coming through and working so hard because it wasn't like tennis. Tennis, you know, women tennis players have always had a high profile and rightly they should have as Correct. well. Correct. But for women footballers, they've had to work so hard for it over the years and we've got to respect all that hard work that's been done while also just running with what's happening at the moment because it's, it's brilliant, it's breathtaking. We're talking to Robbie Thompson, who's one of the uh, great voices for, for, for Channel 10 and, and uh, also uh, Paramount Plus, and as you've heard, was part of the, the, the FIFA Women's uh, World Cup in France. Um, what fascinates me when you reflect on, uh, on all of this is a reminder that the women's game has been dudded for years. Uh, there were medicos who were saying at the time that it's very it's very bad for for women to play the game. It's unhealthy. It's all of this. And I'm talking in the 40s and 50s because the game did exist before. In the 20s and 30s, mm. women were playing the game uh, around the world in in different uh, in different fashion, uh, and they were denied uh, the this linear expansion because the medical and other reasons that were thrown up um, set them set them back and stopped them. And it's, it's incredible to see this rush now, not only for recognition, but this rush now to show us how the game can be played in a completely different fashion. You don't have to roll around four million times on the paddock to get a free kick. You go down <laughs> when you're brought down. Uh, and what is also super exciting is the, the new technology that's adding another flavour and layer to the game and you may have got an insight of this, Robbie. Um, I've heard that the French have just given us a glimpse of a referee talking throughout a, a, a French league fixture and showcasing just how wonderful it can be uh, to explain what's going on. And they, and they did it in a recent game only in the last few weeks. And this is 
a trial to show how they can uh, educate not only the audience but also the media who commentate on the game by telling them this is what's happening like the, they do in, in basketball and like they do, of course, in, the, in baseball. More and more conversations between the players actually in the action and, uh, and you, the commentators, calling the game. Everyone getting a, a little bit closer and a little bit more aware of, of all the subtleties going on. What, have you, what do you think about that? Um, well, I think I think a number of things about it. I think that referees obviously have been recorded um, their audio because since they've been all wired up together, they've been recorded um, together, and people have had access to these recordings for years. But I remember seeing one in the the World Cup final in 2018. I think it was the we we heard months after FIFA released. You know, here's a here's an excerpt, but it was a little <laughs> bit like it's been treated and cut out the right moments of it and uh-huh. and everything. There's the the French are often at the at the forefront of these sort of developments. They're a very sophisticated society. They don't have the same Filter. sort of guttural passion <laughs> for the for the for the sport that the English have or the the Spanish or the Italians or you know where they can't they can't sort of see beyond their passion to see how to to move the game forward or to analyze it whereas uh-huh. the french they they analyze it first and then then they they go with the passion which i think is a, a interesting paradox for 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 their country and their football and why they why they can win at international level but perhaps not at club level on a on a on a european stage but but I've seen Stephanie Frappard, the, the female referee, um, referee a Ligue 1 match, a, a men's Ligue 1 match, and have cameras with her and do a whole story about how she was mic'd up and listened to all her decisions, like what happened the other day um, with, the, with the referee. I think it was just last weekend. Correct, the, correct. The match. And it was um, – it is super interesting because the referees do have this relationship with the players and they explain decisions – and they and I think when when people see that we think, oh, okay, this isn't just a faceless evil necessity of the game that we have to put up with and we get to criticise. Um, they're actually people that have immense passion for the game, that have the game's best interests at heart. Without them, the game doesn't exist. And yes, sometimes when you're a player or a fan, when a decision goes against you, it can be incredibly frustrating. But to have this insight of having the decision explained to see the research and the preparation that a referee does for a match before the game as well, um, how they analyse a situation, why they why they make the decisions they do, how it works with VAR, of course, um, is super interesting. And of course, it will it will bring the game to to a to another level of understanding. I think I think all this talk about VAR and the frustration with VAR in particular. Um, is just misplaced, and it's because we don't understand. And it's the same for us commentating. Sometimes we think we can't understand what's happening. Oh, the game stopped again for this or that. The idea of VAR is is just basically giving the referee a chance to have a look at the replay themselves. It's not it's not moving the problem and having a different interpretation and saying, oh, now we've got too many cooks in the you know spoiling the broth. We've got this or that. VAR should be a quite simple premise, which is. The referee makes a decision. Fourth official or VAR referee says there may have been a bit of contact. Do you want to have a look at the the replay? Referee says, yeah, okay. Everyone else at home is looking at the replay. Referees never get to look at the replay. 
the commentators get to look at the replays and say, well, we're not sure he got correct, that one right. Correct, Why correct. not let the referee have a look at the replay, come across, have a look at the replay, same as everyone at home, and then say, well, I'm the referee, I make the decision, there I'm looking at that replay, and I think I got it right. Decision stands. Or, yeah, I think I can see that that's wrong. A decision overturned. <laughs> it's not, it's not, it doesn't have to be this big thing that's changing the whole way we interpret the game and, and they're ripping the soul out of the game that I was brought up to love and yada, yada, yada. <laughs> Give the referee a replay. Uh, you know, and done. Finished. Uh, you, the point What's that you the make, big deal? The point that you make is fantastic. And then I pause for a millisecond because I watched the Champions League this morning and there was a penalty given, right? And it was for handball. And I I thought to myself, how many ways does a player have to turn or twist their body to avoid the ball from hitting any part of their body? And when is an accident an accident and when is it a blatant handball? And this is the, the very subtle difference that we're not always getting right. But as you've reminded me on many occasions yeah, in agree. the past, there the players make mistakes. We should also understand that the referee can make a mistake and we shouldn't chastise them forever and a day. Uh, Pakua, your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's probably the the mic'd up bit I think I find it fascinating just because I watch the NBA a lot and they're the 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 mic the refs are mic'd up all the time. Constantly. So, so you when they they overturn something you understand and you hear about it and it causes you know it still obviously causes debate because football is a constant debate but it probably, no, no, because it, you have fans and yeah, fans it, are only going to see it through one eye <laughs> yeah but it probably provides a lot more ease so I think it'd be fascinating to see if other leagues incorporated and um, utilize it more what about uh, Robbie from your perspective remember they say to you now and we've heard the English uh, especially in the EPL this year saying we've lifted the threshold how does that how does that square with you as a commentator look it's you know what I'm saying, don't this, you? This is the thing. Yeah, yeah, of course. We're, 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 we, got, we're we were too soft last year or we were too, exactly, we exactly. Were too tough and we, we're now going to change yeah, any, the threshold. Any, any stud contact um, was immediately a red card. Now we're changing. We're talking about force, all this sort of thing. Essentially, we're just coming back to the, the way referees have always refereed without VAR, saying you go in for a challenge – and, and again, it's just, for me, it's just a matter of, of showing the replay, not necessarily slow down a, to, a, to a millionth degree to, you know, frame by frame that show that impacts are a lot worse. Correct. But if the referee sees the, the physical impact in terms of threshold and thinks, okay, that was at a speed which was dangerous for, for one of the two players involved or for both players, if it was reckless, if the player was not in control of their gesture, if they were in the air and couldn't stop themselves if they needed to pull out of the, the, the tackle or the, the action, if it was reckless with an arm, I mean, and, and then the, the, the contact. I mean, look, talking about, talking about thresholds is really splitting hairs, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, it doesn't help. And the handball decisions as well, I mean, we really do need to have a simplified handball rule, which is essentially if it hits your arm, it's, it's a handball. And, you know, end of story or work out some way of just having consistency because the number of, I mean, we saw it with, with Melbourne City, the a game a couple of weeks back when headers were headed straight down onto arms where players were jumping back with arms up. And I mean, it 
it's so hard to just say, okay, you're at fault. And then we see one a week later where a cross goes up and hits an arm which is down because the player's not jumping, whereas the arm was up because they were jumping. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's not given or it is given. All of that is all of that is complicated. One thing I will say in the defense again, in the defense of the sport and the referees and in terms of miking them up, is that you're watching basketball um, with all due respect, Pakua, because I don't. <laughs> That's all right. Stick it, stick it, yeah. But, <laughs> but what I do know is that if the match ends 100 to 88, one referee's decision does not change the outcome of the result. And it's the same in rugby where no one understands the rules. So the referee Correct. could say whatever he the, whatever he wants. <laughs> the, all the players, when the whistle goes in rugby union, yeah. everyone looks up yeah. and goes, which way is he pointing? Correct. And Correct. then he's pointing that way. And, and they don't argue it because no. they don't know. No, they don't. And no know. one knows. And everyone at home doesn't know. So Sorry. rugby's a whole different kettle of fish. Robbie, you are so but right. But it does have that. It has the same, the same thing, which is, one referee's decision very rarely decides the outcome of the match unless that referee's decision is in the last second and it's all tied. Football, that's not the case. Football, a referee's decision in the second minute can decide the result of the entire game. And, and, for the, and the fans know it. And the, fan, and the more the game goes on and the more it's nil-nil or one-nil or your team is looking for a way back into the game and a decision that goes against you, that's why the football is so incredible is that one decision can mean the difference between joy and 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 agony and ecstasy Ag- agony and exactly. ecstasy it's it's in a millisecond uh, you can I, I grew up uh, in sydney uh, robbie and uh, of course uh, during the winter i was obliged to uh, to support the Ra- uh, the ranwick rugby union club mm-hmm. because i was a ranwick cricketer during the summer months and let me tell you, there were many a time we would look at one another and go, uh, uh, that decision, uh, who, how can they make that decision? And, I, and I, I'm, I'm talking about games that really mattered, grand finals, and we've seen in internationals and, and even seasoned commentators, former test players look at you or look down the camera lens and they go, no, no idea. No idea. It's extraordinary. But the referee said it was for reaching in or not standing oh, yeah, or yeah, do, yeah, doing yeah, something. I mean, yeah, God, yeah. who knows? Oh, yeah. But that's why they, that's why there's no, you know, contesting the referee's decision as well because it's not this cultural thing that rugby is the sport played in heaven and they they don't know what's going on. That's why they don't contest. So they can't they can't they can't defend a position because they 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 don't know why the referee's blown his whistle. But anyway, that there I digress, and I'm being a little bit facetious. So no, no, no. Look, you, you've been terrific, uh, <laughs> Robbie. Robbie Thompson's joined us on Football Nation Radio's uh, Thursday program. We call it State of Our Football Nation. Um, Sufin is what Pakua likes to refer to it. Um, it. It really is our opportunity each and every week. To, to check the pulse of, of the of the game in this country, and it's it's over the last couple of years, um, uh, it's been most interesting to watch and to listen and to and to feel. This season for me, Robbie, I've I've seen some terrific games played, I've seen some outstanding goals scored, and I've seen a few duds, which is not unusual. Uh, Pakua has told me on uh, week after week. There are some games that she's watched in the W League that were outstanding. And she, there are players that she looks forward to seeing next week. 
much because they char- they they charm her and they also excite her with their style of play. What what's been most exciting for you? What's been the highlight package for you, uh, or are you waiting for the highlight package to arrive? Um, in in the whole season, let's talk about men's let's talk about men's or first. Let's or? talk men's first. Yeah, and then we'll we'll talk uh, W League, and then we'll talk Matildas. Hmm, it's a it's a tough question, okay, George, because okay. I think I think I like I I I love watching all football all the time, and I don't I don't often sort of step back because of my job because I'm a, a neutral observer, if you like. I sort of like to just channel channel the games as I'm as I'm watching them. I plug into them and I sort of try and work as being an interface between the game and Brother. the people yep. watching at home. Rather and rather than being a, a barricade. <laughs> exactly. Or a, or but for the sport or even a, or even um or even someone that knows I have to write a match report afterwards and know that I have to sort of, you know, analyze a trend or I think I think what I like about the game, what I've seen this year is probably the fact that sides have gone for wins that we've seen some incredibly high scoring matches that we've yep. seen um teams not just and I mean I know some teams do and when you play a Melbourne City for example a side that's going to dominate you in possession you know some teams will just try and sit back and defend but that's even that I admire the the professionalism and the the discipline of a MacArthur for example who are able to or a Brisbane that can stay in a game long enough to try and steal something at the end because it, in at the end of 90 minutes you can talk all you all you want about domination about yeah. ebbs and flows and an individual brilliance and and all this sort of thing at the end of the day it is the result that that counts it's the result that's that that is the most important thing and and we can say yes we love to see entertaining football and we love to see this and that if you're a fan of your team, you want to see them winning. Brisbane, if they can sneak somehow into the into the finals, if Perth can somehow sneak into the finals, if Newcastle, all these Western United after the season they've had, they will deserve to be there. It will be hugely unfortunate for Sydney FC and Wellington if they're if they're to miss out. But all the sides that make it over the course of a season deserve to be there. They will have fought tooth and nail for it. And I just think we should respect that. Not judge those that missed out that haven't been worthy or, you know, because things have gone against Melbourne victory. And I'm just all for celebrating the the positive in the game. So, look, I think we've seen some fantastic young talents come through. We've seen them go all the way to international football. We've seen, you know, an Adelaide side free scoring. We've seen other sides play to their strengths. We've seen a Western Sydney through, you know, rediscover their identity, if you like, and 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 destroy Sydney FC in a couple of derbies. And Sydney FC have won a derby themselves in on on Western Sydney territory. All these things are fantastic stories. And for a, for a commentator to 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 watch games like this, where you know that that anything can happen. I, I did Macarthur versus Newcastle the last week, where nothing happened for. 65 minutes or 80 minutes and then suddenly we had a, a first Explosion. goal and it looked like Newcastle had it then 92nd minute <laughs> MacArthur equalized like they'd done the week before and looked like they were going to do it again against Western Sydney the week before Western Sydney equalized even later and this and here Newcastle went and scored a fantastic goal through through Brandon O'Neill to to win it so 
And you can't have the last six minutes of, you know, breathtaking edge-of-the-seat thriller finale to a game if you didn't have the 85 minutes of chess and and tactical and play grit. out and people getting yeah, tired and, yeah, yeah. and and grit and you know yeah. all of that so for me it's a it's 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 hard to pick out single things i love looking at the just the the emotions procured over a 90 minutes and more often than not those emotions have been strong and very satisfying one way or the other yeah yeah no, agree. you touched on a little bit about adelaide and obviously how much of a thrill they've been to the competition this year what did you think about, obviously, Adelaide, that massive crowd that they got and they're able to engage with their fans and they're getting more fans back to their ground? What have you thought about that? Brilliant. And, and, but I'll, I'll, I'll ask why are, they, why are the fans coming back? Success. Yeah. Success. Yeah. They've got players who are in the national team. They've got some, some fantastic young talents who they're, they're given that chance. I mean, obviously, Aaron Kunda, Craig Goodwin, Joe Gauchi. <laughs> Freakishly good. All with good. the national team. Freakishly you know, brilliant. Good. And they've got, they've got kids that have gone out with, that are playing in the under-23s, um, with the young Socceroos, you know, that, that have all been given their chance. Um, and they're a one-team town. I'm not saying that, you know, maybe they should have a second team. Adelaide, Brisbane, Perth, all these places that would love to have, to have second teams as well. But you know they're they're a they're a side that are having success that are representing their city their state in a in a sport in a national sporting competition the oldest national sporting competition we uh, once again highlight that it that the NSL was before the AFL and the NRL and all these all these national competitions that they are representing them and that the fans because we know the fans love football and if you can get the fans to see young kids from Adelaide playing playing football, you know, if Newcastle can get young kids from Newcastle playing in Newcastle, uh, like the Central Coast do, yeah. you know, if Brisbane can do that, it, this, is what, this is what teams want. They want to see quality football. They want to see a successful team and they want to see people that represent them doing what they do. Adelaide are ticking all those boxes. Yeah, they absolutely are. Carl Viet doing a tremendous job and reminding us yet again uh, of his DNA. He was a, a real competitor. He used to love scoring goals. And he's got a team of youngsters there that he's given them the opportunity. He's given them that shirt. He said to them, show me your talent. He's allowed them to express themselves. I think that's important. Yep. And we're seeing Nick Montgomery doing a similar sort of thing with the Central mm-hmm. Coast Mariners. And Pakura and I have spoken to Nick on a, on a number of occasions, and you can hear the fire, you can hear the passion, you, you understand that he loves to not only entertain, but he also understands how important it is to create a culture that resonates mm-hmm. with everybody in that stadium. And the goods have been coming back. That, that game against Melbourne City, that was full of energy, full of good play, and it exploded when the goals came. And they were great goals. Young yeah, ab- Jordan Boss. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Has that impressed <laughs> bit you? Of quality. Is bit he of, going is he like the, is he going to Manchester <laughs> City or is he going to Troyes? Ah, good question. <laughs> well, Troyes will be in the second division probably. Oh, will, um, will Patrick still be coach? I th- I think so, just because I don't think they would have I, I hope so because they were otherwise I don't see why they would have changed coach. The, Correct. Bruno Ielis was was sitting fourteenth in the league um, 
when he was replaced by Patrick Kisnorbo. They're now 18th and in, in, in all sorts of trouble. I think it's seven points in 14 games or 17 games now. It's They, they lost again. I mean, and again, they lost to Marseille, who are one of the best teams in the competition um, for Patrick. So it is... It is difficult, but you know he's he's standing up to it. He he fronted up to to French TV after the game, and and did an interview in in English on on the main channel. You know, on the yep. the the main broadcast. It was the big Sunday night game. So he's he's there, and he he's he's defending what he's doing, and he hasn't given up as well. Mathematically, it's still possible for Twa. So hopefully, it will. But on on the question of Geordie Boss, um, look, he's a fantastic player. He's he's a physically he's He's excellent technically. He's excellent. I just don't like all these comparisons, and and we just seem to be. And I know George, you'll and Pakua, you both hear where I'm coming from because you're level-headed people, which is not <laughs> always the case with football fans anywhere around the what world. What is it that you dread? But you can't. I I dread that we say this kid is going to be, you know, the next. The, the next Marcelo oh, or Roberto oh, Carlos, he's oh, so physical, he's no, going to go, he's no. going he could play in any team in the world now. He's a teenager, he's a kid, he's played 15 minutes for the Australian national team. Yeah. There are yeah. kids that are already playing, that are younger, that are playing for the Brazil national team, that are playing for England, that are playing for Italy, Spain. And for Spain, and for Spain, Look, yeah, yeah. He's not going to be, yeah, he's not going to be, it doesn't have to be one of the best players in the world to be a great footballer, to have a fantastic career and to make all of us proud as Australians to follow his journey. We don't have to say you're going to go and play for Real Madrid. You could play anywhere in the world. You are that good. Just go to the next level. Take the next step up. Enjoy your game. Keep progressing. Don't get injured. Keep loving the game. I mean, with the, all the talk about Garang, who, you know, had signed overseas and fantastic and go is now seeing how hard it is for him in Scotland, which is not, you know, a massive step up from a league, but it's different. You go overseas, you're confronted with a completely different mentality. You're confronted by an outsider who, who you're an outsider. Exactly. And it's not easy. It's not easy to do. So let's not say you're going to go, over there, and you're going to kill it in the Premier League because you killed it in the A League. <laughs> it's 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 irrelevant to say things like that. It's irrelevant to say you're the next Gareth Bale, you're the next you know Steven Gerrard to Aidan O'Neill, you're the next you know Marco Van Basten to whoever. You know you don't need to say it. It serves absolutely no purpose. You're going to go there, go to Troyes because the French second division will be a massive learning curve oh, yeah. for Aidan O'Neill if that's where he's going. Yeah. Um, having played a little bit in the Premier League, having come back, and it's not just how good is Geordie Boss and how good can he be. Geordie Boss plays, uh, you know, against other players in the A League, where you see how good he is. That's different to playing against Mo Salah or oh, yeah. Erling Haaland or. <laughs> You know, or Robert Lewandowski. Yeah. It's not the same level. No. So don't don't say you're going to go there, plus there's the mentality and everything else. So that's, look, fantastic players, really fantastic players. And the people underestimate how good the A-League players are as well. More than anything, I think it's mentality. But then don't put pressure on them. Let them go. Let them go and play their their careers to the best they can. I mean, Patrick Yazbek and, and Nick D'Agostino uh, Yazbek scored his first goal for Viking the other day. Daggers put on two assists. Yep. 
you know, they're not playing in the Premier League. They're doing their thing. They're, they're doing learning. it brilliantly. Hopefully, yeah. they're learning. Yeah. They're in a foreign culture. They're learning a foreign language. They're yeah. learning foreign foods. They're you you coming, mean unlike Gareth they're, Bale? They're growing as humans. You mean unlike Gareth Bale, <laughs> who spent all that time, who spent all that time in Spain and did not learn a word? Now I, I find that, and I'm a, I'm a Bale fan. I'm a Spurs boy, <laughs> and I can take you back to the early days. His first twenty or thirty games for Spurs, and you know, every time he turned up for Spurs, they lost. He did not play in a winning game. I think for Spurs for yeah. about twenty four uh, matches. Think about that. That yeah, that would be exactly. that would normally but crush we managed to anybody. rewrite history now, don't we? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Now, now but, he's a superstar. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, but he was he he when he first, I mean, at Spurs he was immense. And yeah. at, at Real Madrid, those first seasons, oh, I mean, yeah. he the goals he scored, winning Champions League. I mean, my God, if anyone earned a little bit the right to just go and play golf, <laughs> and we forget that as well. That that's what he wanted to do as well. And we yeah. we we think we own these players yeah, that's when they true. go over there, and that we can we can tell Gareth you, what you he mean. Has we to do. don't. You you have to learn Spanish. You, you mean, have to just you play mean football. You we don't? You can't. <laughs> well, we do and we don't. Yeah. That's the beauty of football as well. We oh, all yes. know we, we, we sort of like we do. We think we do, which is why the sport's the biggest in the world. But it's very hard for the footballers. I mean, you know I worked at, at PSG, and I, yep. I hear what you're saying about Gareth and not learning Spanish. I, I would say between you and me, he probably did learn yeah. pretty enough Spanish to get by, but Correct. just never didn't want to speak it publicly didn't want to well, do anything in front of people because it was embarrassing for him yeah well um, i mean i said that with de maria in french i mean de maria in the end would speak very good french but by the time he left psg last year for juve but he would never ever speak french in public because he's a timid shy guy and and you know doesn't want to doesn't want to do any of that and everyone was like Neymar doesn't speak French no, no, no. Uh, he's been there five years at PSG Di Maria doesn't speak French Zlatan <laughs> never spoke French they all learnt French of course they, they all did. spoke French but they don't they don't want to speak it because they they're also in control of their image they're in control of all sorts of things these are intelligent people with oh yeah worth a lot a lot of money and they're they don't want to look like an idiot and, then, oh, and yeah. get turned into a to a, a joke on Twitter because of the way he tried to speak French and That's sounded right. like a, His a, a four-year-old kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, yeah, I, you exactly. watch. You watch uh, the. I'm a. I'm a huge Yankees fan, and when Ichiro, the Suzuki, the great Japanese superstar, came to to uh, Yankee Stadium, came to the Bronx to play, he he spoke very good English. But again, they had the interpreters. And we hardly ever heard an English word out of his mouth uh, until the yeah. very, very end when he was about to um, retire and there were a number of acknowledgements made and someone asked a rather uh, sophisticated question and he he jumped the gun and responded <laughs> and you thought, ah, oh, he, he knows his English. And you're absolutely yeah, right. Exactly. They don't yeah. want to embarrass themselves it, it, because they are. They care about who they are. Absolutely. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a wonderful thing. Uh, we've got uh, in Pakura a young woman who came to Australia. Age how many? Uh, I was turning five, not too long. Turning five. five. How long did it take you to learn the language? <laughs> to be fair, I was... You had cheated and you'd no, learned... No, no, I, like, uh, no. Like, the official language in Ghana is technically English. So, like, I was... It you were almost there. Almost there. So it wasn't too bad. Robbie, I want to ask you, heading into the finals for the A-League men's... Do you have a top six lock? Ooh. Have you made your predictions? 
yet, or he's not a you, fan. He's a commentator. I, I know, I know this. I know this about Robbie, but I, is there is there any one where we should keep an eye out where you think oh. they are probably in the Pakua, hot seat? Pakua knows me well enough <laughs> to know that she's doing this on purpose. Yes, I know. She's, she's e- egging you a, on. In a difficult, <laughs> difficult situation. Are there, um, all right. Are there any late bloomers? Anybody, yeah. any late comers that could squeeze their way in? Yes, there are. Anything oh. could happen. <laughs> the eternal um, I optimist. Think what we're seeing, <laughs> what we're what we're seeing now is that you would want to be Wellington and Sydney uh-huh. heading into these last two games, right. just because it's theirs to lose. I mean, they're, they're, we, we've been saying that it's theirs to lose and they could lose it, but they're still there. They're still there now with two games left. Um, you've got to do the maths and see who's playing who. They don't play anyone who's, who's chasing them, I don't think, do they? I've, I've written all this down a million times and had a, <laughs> had a look at it all. Sydney only have people below them, um, which is good. So they're in control, complete control of their, of their own destiny. I mean, Wellington, let me have a look. I've got it here. Wellington are versing Western Sydney no. this weekend. That won't be easy. Um, and then we got Western United taking no. on Sydney. Perth have got Adelaide. And da, 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 da. Yeah, so that's Perth. That's very tough, but that's Perth at home. Yeah. But Perth are, are four points behind the top six positions. Yeah. So they need really two wins and hoping. I mean, if, if they get two, to show you how hard it is, they get two wins, that's six more points for Perth. If Sydney draw two, they will also be on equal points and they've got a better goal difference. Wow. So that's how hard it is for, for, for Perth and even for Western United and, and Newcastle, who are really the only three, I think, that can, that can do something now. MacArthur, it's still a little bit possible. Brisbane, it's, it's just ever so slightly possible. But those sides down the bottom have to win two. And the ones at the top have to lose everything. And it's just getting too hard now. There's just not enough time. There's not enough time left. I think it'll be the six will probably be as it is. Um, maybe one of Western United or Newcastle. Maybe. That's the only, that's the only hope. Uh, I think the rest, is, the rest is gone. And, and, you know, bring it on. If that's the six, it's, a, it's an excellent six. Wellington have shown this season they can play great football. If Sydney can click with the players they have... They can play great football, and the top four have been there all season, so they've they've already earned their stripes. A couple of weeks ago, um, uh, Pakur and I spoke to Ufuk Tale uh, about uh, his time at the Phoenix, and we've heard now that Giancarlo Italiano, who was um, uh, one of his assistant coaches, uh, who who's raised and and earned his stripes uh, coaching Blacktown City to a national MPL title. Uh, will be the new person who who takes the reins at, at Phoenix. Um, that's been a really, really tough run for Ufuk, and I think he's done a tremendous job, especially when you consider the price they had to pay through COVID. Was there any tougher a mission for any other club in the A-League than Wellington and what they had to endure? No, I don't think so. I think uh, – I mean – it's a it's a testament to the coaching staff, but also the entire club, the players oh, yeah. themselves. For for everyone to have to live two, two years, you know, away. for the people that organised it, two years away from home, um, is massive. Oh. You know, for for a lot of young men will have done a lot of growing up, 
And it's not only, you know, when we all headed off to uni at 18, when we, when we when all you cut flew the, the umbilical nest cord. And, and left home. <laughs> yeah, but we did it all with our mates. Yeah. And we could always, you know, change group house if we wanted to or, or leave and go off and do something. During those two years, they couldn't. They were stuck no. in a group of young blokes all competing, you know, against other teams but also against themselves to play. I mean, these are these are volatile environments where it takes a lot of management. So to come back to Ufuk, yeah. um, spectacular, spectacular yeah. job. Yeah. I mean, we all knew he was in, intelligent. I remember seeing him play for the young Socceroos when he was a kid in Canberra before he headed off on his on his European odyssey as well. And and just thought he 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 already looked like a a great player as a teenager someone that understood the game was was clever i spoke to him pre-season and he he he's very level headed yeah um and i look forward to seeing his next step as well but yeah he's done a done an amazing job um there with wellington the fact maybe that he didn't get the the national team job i think that burnt him a little bit um and the you. way it was handled by the new zealand fa yep. so maybe he just thought that is a sign as well. My only fear um, is that after, what is it now, and maybe Pakua can help me, I'll try and look at quickly the stats, but Wellington's last results, because they're on a bit of a slide. I mean, I know so many teams are now, but but they're, they're dropping into a dangerous territory, and I wonder if they didn't announce the decision of the coaching change to try and just spark a little revival yeah. before... Before the finals, they've, and they've only won one of yeah. their last five. They've drawn, they drew the other one, and then they lost the last three. They so like they won yeah. their last and so, three. But if you watch, if you watch that game yeah. that um, Wellington played against uh, Melbourne City, right? There were three yeah. distinct chances. I, I, you, I think you called the game. There were three distinct yep. chances where either Glover has made a breathtaking save. Or they've hit the the crossbar, or there was an offside. Any of those things become con- converted. Any of those balls go into the back of the net, and that could easily have been a different a different game. And this is what sometimes yeah, we yeah. don't at the end of a game reflect and give it a fair uh, not not a fair assessment. We we try and do that, and especially you guys do. But sometimes, as fans, w- 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 we're too tough. And of course, it's because we're yeah, looking abs- through one, one one set of lenses, and that's your right, and that's your yeah, right, that's and you what should you pay be for as well. <laughs> exactly, but yeah, that game when Ugarkovic equalised, yes. you thought game on now Ooh. because Wellington are are, are, are are playing well, and then it was that five minutes after a goal. I mean, we say it, you see it so often, but it just uh, it didn't happen for them. But then you know, against Brisbane, last time out was it two two two? I mean. When I when I've seen a coach announce in the past that he's leaving or she's leaving before mm. the end of of the season, it has it has never ended well mm. from from my memory and the coaching and the people that I've been in, involved with and have witnessed um, closely, it just doesn't seem to work. When everyone knows and take you know the most recent example is Ante Milicic last year with Macarthur, who also had a had a great team and you know they had Craig Noon. Davila, who was fit and firing, and it just didn't happen because everyone knew the coach was leaving. Yeah. Everyone knew Ante Milicic wasn't going to be there, and it does have it, it does have a negative effect. So whether Wellington can try and turn it around, and you know, fair play to Ufuk Tale, he's a 
they've decided to do this, to, to make this decision. He's going off to wherever he's going. Giancarlo Italiano will be measured on what happens next year, not now. Yeah, but I think true. these are this is a this is a big month for for what happens for Wellington. All right, let's move it along to the W League. You've had some fun watching the Matildas, and ha- hasn't it been exciting to watch this young crop of present themselves? Uh, half a dozen players, and Kira Cooney Cross, who just continues to emerge, and she's building a, a level of confidence and ease on the ball that's pretty impressive. I think she's. I, I remember when I got back to Australia yep. and she just won the, the grand final with the Olympico the season before um, in that 120th minute. And that's when that was one of the last games on Fox. And then we'd come in. And so I'd seen a bunch of W League games um, to try and get up to speed and see what, you know, how, how the game was played and all this sort of thing. And, um, and I remember seeing her and just thinking, you know, here we have a player who runs with the ball so so fluidly mm. so powerfully and and I I thought and last season you know last season she she at Melbourne Victory while she was there she didn't have the greatest season and I think she were, people were starting to wonder you know should she be in the national team she's she, what's her position should she be further up should she be a number 10 should she be a number 6 all this sort of thing and to be fair, Gustavsson has has hit the nail on the head there. Whether whether it was Tony or Others. the people at Hammerby, yeah. where she's been playing, where with, with her club side, um, but that the idea to to pair her with Katrina Gorry, who by all accounts is okay after coming off with a what looked like a bad shoulder. I think uh, I've seen reports out of Sweden saying that hopefully, you know, nothing's broken. It doesn't look like there's any bad damage so hopefully Katrina will be okay those two have been spectacular complimentary and you know Cooney Cross could be one of the revelations of the World Cup not to say she's going to be the next martyr or whatever but, no, 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 but no. she if she can catch the eye and play the way she's been playing in the last you know six nine months with the Matildas and for Hammerby then we have a real a real player on our hands here and, and someone that can go you know can be a, a real player yeah, I think she's really found her form in the recent Matildas games that we've seen her play, and she looks a lot more confident when she is on the ball, which is always exciting to see. In terms of the uh, the dub at the moment, Robbie, obviously we've got the prelim final on Saturday and then the grand final the week after. Obviously, Western United with the upset against Sydney FC, beating them. Looking ahead to that, how are your thoughts about the dub season that has been in the finals? Well, it's been a fantastic season again with with the the Western United story. I mean, Pakua, you should be you should be giving us your wrap up <laughs> of of the dub season. Oh, she's been she's been me. on the, she's um, been on my case saying, <laughs> "Hey, they they're a great story." She's told they us. Are. She's West told United me from the beginning. Are an incredible yeah, yeah, story. she's been telling yeah. me from the beginning but, of the season. Watch these guys because they they look like they're about to do something. And sure enough, here we are. Yeah. Yeah, no, they've 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 done brilliantly. They've got some fantastic individuals. They've got stories of girls that have that have played in the MPL that have waited for this opportunity, that have been given this opportunity. We're seeing also another fantastic uh, advertisement for expansion 
for expansion of the leagues and or a national second tier or, you know, however we can get more professional clubs because people sort of say, but, you know, is that going to spread our talent too thin? No, because your talent is going to rise to this occasion and grasp this occasion with both hands. We hope for the women that we'll see it next year with the yeah. Central Coast Mariners. Then moving forward with... We know that the the A League, both men and women, are, are looking to expand. I mean, it's it's going to be a a brilliant time. But look, Western United's story has been spectacular, but so was Sydney FC's to 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 come back and and win the Premiership again to to be to be that strong, that consistent. Ante Juric has signed another two year deal. The coach there. Um, the likes of Perth only just missing out on the finals of Canberra United, who who lost a couple of games five nil, um, and then turned their season around and beat all the top teams in a run that saw them, you know, almost make the finals as well. I mean, the the first semi final was unbelievable, three three penalty shootout. There was <laughs> it had it had everything. It had you know a team going ahead, then one leading three one with. With 15 seconds left to play, and then, and then into, into extra time. I mean, one thing you know, and I was chatting to Teo Pelizzeri afterwards, just exchanging, you know, great call, a couple of messages yep. and everything, and just yep. saying you knew it, it could always change. You knew it could always happen that match that anything could still happen, and that's the beauty of the the women's league at the moment is that no side gives up, and every side keeps going, and and even if you think you're down and out, you never are in the women's game. And so from a competitive point of view, it's spectacular. I went out to Sydney FC training this morning and had a chat to Sarah Hunter, who was there, and she fronted up to the to the media. Um, they are very, very determined, very, very <laughs> determined to, uh, to get one over Melbourne Victory this weekend. Um, I'm sure Melbourne Victory are thinking exactly the same thing. Um, you know, they've last time they met it was 6-3 to Sydney, They've got West um, Melbourne Victory have the two grand finals they can point to. They also have that incredible match last weekend. Um, so look, that's going to be all eyes watching that one. And then to play Western United in the grand final, which will also be a, a fantastic matchup. And whoever it is, that's going to be a, a spectacular game of football. And hopefully, 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 the people will show up and the broadcast will, will be of uh, the highest order. Um, which will be on Network 10 on free-to-air, I'm, I'm pleased to say. So we will be getting as many eyeballs, hopefully, on that game as possible, and hopefully it will, be a, it will live up to the season that's preceded it. It's uh, going to be fascinating to see, obviously, how the particularly Sydney and Melbourne Victory match up. Obviously, the Melbourne Victory got Amy Jackson out this weekend. It's going to be interesting to see how their midfield is composed and who is going to be step, have to step up? Because obviously Sydney FC probably walk into it as the favourites. They've been in better form this year and they've got that massive win over them in the season. Has there been any players that have impressed you, Robbie, this season that you've seen, either in the men's competition or the women's competition? You can't say you're in Kundu. Uh... <laughs> That's have you already grabbed you've already grabbed Aaron Kunda. No. Um look we were we we were coming up with our teams of the years earlier for, oh, the, for the men's competition. Oh. Well we were th- we were you know joking around with it and thinking who would you you can only pick one player from each team and okay. putting all sorts of rules yeah rules on it. Um I went with an under 23 team, well actually 22 or under, um <clears throat> which I think is is a pretty nice looking nice looking team. Um 
For the women's game, who has stood out? I mean, I think Hannah Keane this season has been a revelation for, for me. I, I, I hadn't seen her play before, um, and she was just spectacular, particularly in the first part of the season, but she's come back again strong. And that goal, that taking that goal the way she did on the weekend um, to fire the side into the grand final was was spectacular. But look, some of the old the old players, the experienced players, Michelle Heyman was was spectacular. Um, I'll ask I'll ask Pakua because I know she's been commentating a lot of it this year. <laughs> what what were the best names to call for the for the best goal calls? Because you know, surely someone like Milovojevic at Canberra yeah. when she when she scored was a great name to roll off the tongue. Yeah, no, because <laughs> a commentator also always chooses like little moments as well, and that. She she scored some fantastic goals. I think, yeah, Vesna Milovojevic is probably going to be one of those players that when you talk about this season, maybe like gets forgotten, like because Canberra didn't make the finals. But Vesna Milovojevic has definitely had an extre- extremely underrated in season because she was phenomenal for Canberra and she almost got them back, made almost got them into finals in that game against Melbourne mm-hmm. City. That was pretty good. Um, that's pretty some good uh, ones. Well, your city player Hannah Wilkinson, you you've been impressed. Galich, young Galich. Yeah, Galich was you know, she was good, and then she yeah. got injured for a, for a little bit. Um, I'll say my favourite goal I called this year though was Caitlin Carriage's first goal against for Melbourne City against Newcastle though, where she chips the keeper when she comes on. Yeah, that was, that, I, that was a it was fun highlight. It's you know NPL Victoria player. You've got a highlight. To, you got to you got to support, support those guys. But um, no, the dub this year has been a lot of fun. There's been a lot of great goals. I'm fascinated actually to see what the fans vote as a uh, goal of the season for the for the awards, like the entire wrap up of the goals because there, mm-hmm. there's been some really really good ones. Robbie, have you have you enjoyed the maturation of Marco Tilio? Yes, and to tell you the truth, George, I've been a little bit. What would I say? Surprised. I think he's turning into because well, he. You can have players that are sort of burst onto the scene and then go into a to a little more difficult and like you say, a maturity can have maturity issues as soon as they burst yep. onto the yep. scene. Yep. Um, it's all what about I like pressure. about him. It's all about pressure. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Dealing the pressure. Dealing with the change of club. Dealing with you know uh, raised expectations that you put on yourself as well, thinking that you've got to make the difference every time you step out onto the pitch. It's all, for footballers, so much of it is about decision-making in the right, in the right moment at the right time. And yeah, I think, I think you've put it best because he has matured in such a way. Like, he wasn't picked in the, the World Cup squad originally. No. Um, and then got the, got the call up when, when Martin Boyle missed out and so I think that also helped he was part of that and I see an even more mature Marco Tilio since the World Cup even but his because I remember his first few matches he wasn't playing this season he was on the bench it was Andrew Naboo who was first choice um, and with Leckie and McLaren and what could you do McLaren was scoring every single game at the start of the season for the literally literally hey he may well be the player of the year uh, even even with Absolutely. the injuries, you know, I think he's yeah. Is he, but, is he, is he, he's picked the other, up so many points. Yeah, yeah, but there's him and Lecky is the other one who's going to win Player of the Year. Yeah, All yeah. good one. So yeah, it's, no. you've got two of them in your team. Andrew Naboo is a vastly experienced professional. You've also got new players like Valon Barisha. Um, he's who, been who cheeky. Were in there. Berengue was injured, but yeah, he's yeah, been, excellent, he's been a excellent cheeky as player. 
<laughs> He's been I like a him. Cheek. I, I like him. I, know. I like him a lot. Hey, look, yeah. uh, uh, Barisha was a name I used to used to make me tremble because <laughs> I remember him at Raw <laughs> when he was ferocious under Ange. I remember him as a as a uh, uh, as a real uh, city killer or a Melbourne heart killer. And you don't want to go, through, you know, to a game and know that there's a killer out there, you know, stalking your defences. You, you want to go and, and think you've got a chance. But every time Barisha was there, uh, you'd go, oh, here we go again. And, of course, it, the ball would fall to him, wouldn't it? And he would show yeah. that, well, that's, that, yeah. that, that poise under pressure and just score and you'd go, here we go, here we go. Yeah, no, it's been it's well, been. Jamie McLaren has has many of those clubs, as well. Yeah, no, you're uh, right that, that he's done that too. And he and has a lot of critics. And, and he has a lot of critics. That record he? now he does, and it, that's unfounded, as well. Because I mean, I I get that you know, people people have to change their perceptions, and because not everyone is going to be like Ronaldo, you're <laughs> also going to need your Rauls. Or someone, yep. yes. you know, and I was saying Brazilian Ronaldo, obviously, yep. because I'm of that era. Um, but you know, there's nothing wrong with a with a goal poacher, an incredibly intelligent player that puts the ball in the back of the net, and you know, it, for a fifth season of twenty goals or more, oh, you can't terrific. you can't challenge that consistency in front of goal, and it, he's going to break the record. Hopefully, for him, it happens. You Soon. know, before the finals focus, so that that can be another liberating uh, weight off his shoulders. Like, got no, that well record said. sorted um, before the finals, and then he can just enjoy the finals because, you know, they missed, they lost the grand final last time. Oh. The time before that, wasn't it? He away with the Socceroos Correct. or sitting in yep. a in a hotel yep. room. Yep. So Watching. I mean, that must that must just be gutting for a player of that caliber as well who just wants to get back. And so, you know, I feel that it, that he's going to want that desperately, desperately. Um and and so he should. So yeah, so many good things, but Marco Tilio fantastic season as well. And you're right. I think he's a much more dangerous player now because he's a lot because of his maturity, his decision making is better and and I think that makes him a lot harder to defend against. And and he scores. He's scoring goals consistently. He's assisting consistently. He's getting back and doing the defensive side of his job, which you have to do. In which he, you know, Patrick Kuznorbo drilled into him, and probably it was under Patrick Kuznorbo that that he got that hard love. Yeah, yeah. That he I, had to learn. On. If I want to play, yeah. I have to defend. I have to do. I have to be a complete player. I have to be a two-way player. Correct. That goal that he took the other day, uh, uh, where he scored two goals. Um, the, the one where he just placed it with all, n- nearly no backlift. It's that futsal, um, uh, you know, um, in his history that, that mesmerises keepers. Keepers always want you to take a little bit of time to kick the ball. And when you take yeah. no time to kick the ball um, with, with next to no uh, backlift, it's, it's as, a, as, a, as a former keeper, let me just tell you, I hate it. <laughs> it's unfair that you can place it. Romario. Oh, Romario, yeah. oh, George. Romario. That was oh. the if, – if anyone wants to know what George is talking about, get on into Romario in YouTube and see a player that just scored oh. yep. incredibly, you know, nonchalant goals – but, but by you have always to be there. them before you have, the goalkeeper was ready. Yeah, yeah, but you always have to get <laughs> to that spot. Everyone says to me, oh, you've got yeah. so many easy goals. No, 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 no. The whole magic 
the marvel is that he found himself there time after time after time, which tells you what, yeah. Robbie, that they are marvellous readers of the game. Yep, exactly. We don't give People them and uh, Can I just say, yeah. I want to give you enormous credit. You've been fantastic throughout the year. Uh, we really appreciate very much your contribution today. You've given us more than ample. Um, wish you all the very best for the finals. Uh, safe travels to, to France when you pick up the kids. And we look forward to hearing more from you when you, you're back and prepare not only the kids but yourself for what promises to be a most memorable Women's World Cup. And it will be the biggest women's event in world sport. Yes? Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, Robbie. Can't wait. Thank you, George. Thank you, Pakua. Have a great weekend of A-League football. Absolutely. Robbie Thompson from uh, Channel 10 and Paramount Plus, uh, part of the commentary team. He's there with Simon Hill. They, they've been doing some tremendous work, as has uh, Teo uh, Palazzeri. Okay. Yep. Uh, and yourself, madame, doing the occasional game here and there. occasional game. Curtis, thanks to Robbie as well. Robbie, yeah. Robbie gave me a lot of advice and uh, tips throughout the season. What was the one thing he told you that you can sort of l- l- reveal and let us pass it on to any future commentators? Um, that we are behind the, the, the wall. So we just help guide the narrative of the game. Okay, so you're and on like this side that. of the wall. We're on this side of the wall. And you just... The screen, the TV screen is there. We're just you're here the, to You're guide. the honest broker. We're just here to guide you through the game. Gotcha. That's it. That's great advice. He uh, gave me a great book as well. Well, gave me a PDF of a book and it's very helpful as well. Well, we've enjoyed our Sufin, our State of Football Nation <laughs> episode with our special guest, uh, Robbie Thompson, uh, Pakua Frimpong and George Danikian. Until next week. You're listening to the State of Our Football Nation on FNR.